Hey folks, welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is April 8th, 2019. This is episode 263. My name is Scott Magnus. And I'm Jake English. And in this week's show, we're going to see if an old dog can learn new tricks. And no, it's not about Chris Davis. We will also punch our cards. Beg your pardon? Yeah. Yeah, we'll punch our cards. Okay, we're going to do that right after we lubricate for the show. It's time for the drink of the week. Jake, uh, what are you imbibing on this evening? Uh, I don't want to shock you. It's not cheap beer. What? I don't want to shock you. It's not a girly drink. Folks, uh, pull out your notepads right now. Um, mark down this day as a historic moment. Across to me is no longer a winking beverage, nor is it a loose cannon, nor is it a Krona. It's not even a Michelob as it would be. Yeah, it's true. I'm drinking a bullet bourbon. That's brown liquor. It's brown liquor, straight up. And it's delicious. Oh, boy. What a liquor. It's, it's, mm, mwah, it's good. What are you, uh, what are you drinking this uh, Jake, I'm also doing liquor combined with a little bit of sugar. So I am I'm listening. doing uh, a shot of Jack Daniels. And then on top of that shot, I've got the new orange vanilla Coke. Uh, bringing a little bit of a Southern tradition, as it were, um, to it. Pretty amazing. Uh, if you haven't tried the Orange Vanilla Coke yet and you're a fan of creamsicles, highly recommend giving it a shot. Highly recommend it. A shot of Jack Daniels, no less. Well, I mean, just just give it a shot if you like creamsicles. Jake, what are you, uh, what are you, where can they follow you to find out what you're drinking if you're drinking beer at this time? I'm on untapped at Jake E4025. Uh, and I'm at M-A-G-N-N-8606. And Jake... Why don't we go ahead on over to the medical wing and find out who is actually with our Baltimore Orioles at this time. All right, so... In the medical wing, Mark Trumbo, still in the 60-day, Austin wins on the 10-day. Anything that we are missing here? Anything? No. So few Orioles have clipped wings. That is why things are going so well. Things are going well? That's why things are going so mediocre. I did hear that Austin wins is going to probably be assigned to a minor league team this week. You know why? You know why it's the case, right? Why is that okay? His his acting isn't quite up to pa- up to par yet. Oh, so his he'll... his reaction shots behind the plate, not uh, not, not, not major league caliber. Okay, uh, Jake, are you following along with the Austin Hayes situation? Just kind of keeping tabs on him, or are you just like, eh, he'll get here when he gets here. I'm more the latter. So you, you just don't really care. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is there anybody that is of interest to you going forward on the medical wing, or can we just scrap this until someone actually gets hurt? Until somebody gets hurt, let's never speak of this again. All right, sounds good. Let's go to 280 characters or less this week on the Twitters. Jake, let us off. This week on the Twitters, some wise, some wise words, and I'm going to try. I'm going to try. This comes from former uh, podcast sister wife, Connor Garcia. He tweets as follow at Connor underscore Garcia. The season is not worth getting angry over. The season is not worth getting angry over. Lather, rinse, repeat until he runs out of characters. It's a good message, and we should all uh, we should all heed it. Should we? Let's I, get I, angry. I won't, but I'll try. Jake, the Orioles went out this week and got themselves a brand new starting pitcher. Hmm. 
we're going to put starting in heavy quotation marks. This week comes from Daniel Straley at Dan Straley 67. I finally have a good reason to use this picture. And what it looks like is Daniel Straley and a classic, I'm going to go with 1988 uh, Orioles T-ball slash Little League outfit. Yeah. It it looks like the old uh, Bluefield Orioles script. So I would like to think that this is a, a Little League that didn't pony up for the Major League uh, affiliation, but rather the minors. Yeah, I think this is more of a situation where someone said, hey, it'd be pretty easy for my print shop to basically <laughs> steal this as opposed to paying MLB royalties because the font's close enough, but not exactly right. And like even the sizing isn't quite right. Um, Same can be said of the pitcher, by the way. You know, this is the kind of, you know, classic U.S. made manufacturing quality that I've come to expect from the 80s when China wasn't invading our territory. Oh, sorry. China and Mexico wasn't invading our territory. Thank goodness that we had good, high-quality U.S.-made products back then. Let's turn back the clock. Next, we're going to go to a tweet from Rockabaco, who, of course, tweets at uh, Mass and Rock. That guy. (laughs) That guy. Um, And, Scotty, this is just becoming a little sad. Here's the quote. Uh, Hide on Davis, quote, I couldn't be happier for what he's put in so far this year and how he's gone about his business. It just hasn't happened yet. Dot dot dot. He's off to he's just off to a slow start. I'm going to support him. I'm not going to stop supporting him. End quote. Hashtag Orioles. Scotty, I'm just I'm kind of sad for Chris Davis right now. Like I'm not even angry at him. I'm just sad. I mean, are we supposed to be angry with him? No, but you know it's it's easy to turn on a ball player when things aren't going well. But here on Monday the eighth, we're on the precipice of. Chris Davis setting the major league record for hitless at bats for a position player. It's just not fun anymore. So what are we supposed to do? We can't be angry with him. We're supposed to be just sad. I I have a, uh, a modest proposal. Okay. I think in every game, we should all take a moment and say something nice about Chris Davis. That doesn't sound like fun. He makes a good play. Hey, Chris Davis just made a good play. His beard looks great. Hey, Chris, that's some fine trimming. I think it'll make us feel better when we rag on him later because we're so frustrated that he ends rallies and uh, kills fun. I'll tell you what. I'm all on board with this idea as soon as our wives treat us in the same way. (laughs) I will say this. The fact that Chris Davis has this going on right now proves an important point. That Orioles fans like to root for bad things? No, no. It shows that Just like, hey, we can't get through without giving up five runs by our starting pitchers. Or, hey, you know, we give up the most amount of home runs this this month. Like, It shows that there's justice in this world, Scott. It shows that the little guy can still do something. Because if Chris Davis can't buy a hit with $161 million, it shows that there's a chance for us all after all. Bravo. Jake, to make you up, make up to it, because, you know, it sounds like you're a little sad. Um, let me let me try to tr- tw- cheer you up. So this comes from Suspedis Family Barbecue at Suspedis Barbecue. Okay, so maybe this is a dumb thought, and I'm stoked about how the Orioles season has gone so far, but imagine how even more fun this would all be if Adam Jones was still around. Oh, wait. I said oh, this should have been happy. Man. I messed this up. I'm sorry. All right. Well, I can one-up you there. Let's go to something really fun. Okay. This is a tweet that comes from John Shepard, formerly of Camden Depot, at JS Bear. 
Kevin Gosman feels like such an indictment against how the Orioles' previous coaching staff implemented analytics. Uh, Kevin Gosman being lost to the Atlanta Braves is some of something that bothers me. And I understand they wanted to get rid of Darren O'Day's contract, but it bothers me mm-hmm. a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. Because I think back to Kevin Gosman could have been around in this organization for another two to three years. And I just feel like there was more value there to extract. Yeah. Oh, well. Moving on. Good times. Good times. So, uh, you know, the season is going as as we expected. Better than I would expect. We've won series. Sure. Yeah. I think it started better than we expected. Here's how I would describe it. Um, it's kind of like we were pitching a no-hitter through six innings. And then we got pulled out. You know, prematurely. This seems strangely hypothetical. Strangely hypothetical. You know what? Let's get into it in our next segment. Scotty, one of the things that gives me hope about this Orioles' current rebuild is this. They're finally trying something new. For the 14-year dark ages, we watched the team work to convince themselves and us that this time, this time it was really going to work out. And then, during the buckle-up years, it was watching Duquette and company hang on for dear life, this thing that we called the damn the torpedoes approach. But the Orioles are finally in a full and admitted rebuild. They're admitting that science is a thing. They're acknowledging that their drafting, their development, and their assessment has been woefully insufficient to build a contender, and they brought in personnel to correct this. That in itself, all by itself, is a big step. But what has it meant? What has it done? We talk about success and failure in 2019 and how this season can be judged. How will we define success in ways that don't come down to the win and loss record? For me, one indicator of success is... Um, our ability to track a change in culture, one that, uh, that might produce better results than those with which we have become accustomed. So let's be clear. Even the right decision can end up with a poor result. The Orioles weren't completely, I mean, completely incompetent for 20 years. They had a combination of terrible process and bad luck. Some of that bad luck will certainly plague these Elias Orioles, but my hope is that we'll see enough sensible behavior to excuse that away, and some good things will happen. So, Scotty, I ask you, what have we seen this season so far that has been different from how the old Orioles would have behaved? They've won series? No, no, no. Oh, you mean like intangibles, as it were, and like little things? Yeah, the the things that when, when the Orioles of old did them, you're like, You know, it's not worth getting upset over, but that's such a stupid way to go about this. Yeah, so I think we mentioned this maybe a little bit on the podcast last time or maybe on Twitter, but the usage of Chris Davis, I think, has been a really interesting one where Brandon Hyde has pulled him from the lineup, but more importantly, he has pulled him out of the, you know, lineup in the ninth inning, you know, just to give the team a chance and say, this is not an optimal scenario for you to go and, you know, bat against this pitcher. I'm going to pull you out. And I'm going to submit anybody from my bench out there. That's something that Buck wouldn't have done. 
Buck Walter would have gone out there and been like, we're one of our three best batters. I'm just going to put him out there and hope that something happens here. So I think Chris Davis's usage is a big one that people are talking about and trying to read the tea leaves, as it were, in terms of what does this kind of foretell of his future coming? Yeah, I mean, and it's funny because Brandon High likes his guys, but he likes all 25 of his guys. You know, in that first se- uh, series against the Yankees, I feel like we saw every player, right? Because Hyde wasn't going to stick with just the starting nine. And say what you will about Buck Showalter, I miss him and I loved him dearly. He was going to ride his, you know, his top nine guys until they fell apart. And I would actually argue, I think that Hyde and Elias um, don't just like their 25 guys. I think they like their 40 guys. Mm. I think it's ultimately they're playing the roster game, as it were, in terms of making the decision of, you know, what role do we need to take in order to basically maximize the 40-man roster? And, you know, there's been controversial moves made because of that. You know, Dan Shirley being signed, you know, Drew Jackson had to be released. Drew Jackson showed a lot. Uh, it was very interesting, but certainly it was an, a move that the Orioles made saying, we'd love to keep him, but honestly, we've got to do what's best for our 40-man roster and our 25-man roster to keep it flexible. All right, let's let's uh, take a hard right turn here because you brought up something I wanted to talk about, which was the uh, usage of the Rule 5 pick. So sure. uh, the Orioles are a terrible club. Yep. Terrible clubs uh, historically utilize the Rule 5 club to – or the Rule 5 draft to bring additional talent into their woefully empty cupboard. Um, so this is exactly the kind of team that you would expect to carry as many Rule 5 guys as they can. I was frankly shocked to see them this early in the season part with uh, Drew Jackson. Question to you, um, do you think they made the right pick between their Rule 5 guys? I do. Okay. Here's why I ask the question. You may be right, and I'm I'm used to it by now, frankly. Um, but a Rule 5 guy is more likely to be a utility player. Yes. A Rule 5 guy is more likely to be your 25th guy on the bench yes. than your starting shortstop. Yes. When all is said and done, do you think it is more likely that Richie Martin will hang on as a major league starter, or do you think it is more likely that Drew Jackson will hold on as a super utility player? And I'm not allowed to choose neither. Yes, that is correct. Okay. Um, I am going to instead say that if you look at Drew Jackson and you look at Hanser Alberto, who the Orioles picked up, um, I, I think ultimately the Orioles made a decision. We don't need two utility infielders. We can either go with Hanser Alberto or we can go with Drew Jackson. And I think Hanser Alberto offered the Orioles more of an upside rather than Drew Jackson. I mean, is it nice to have another Ryan Flaherty in the organization? Sure. But there are a dime in a dozen. Like Richie Martin was coming into the Roll 5 draft, one of the top prospects that are available. There's a reason he was selected number one in the Rule 5 drafts. Another team would have picked him up. Now, whether he would have made the team or not, that's another matter. But Richie Martin offers the highest upside. Now, the bat hasn't come along at all yet. But the bat hasn't come along for a lot of people to begin the season. So I like what I see with Richie Martin. I like his his handwork. I like his footwork. I want to see more from him. I'm not necessarily saying he's going to be a major league talent individual. But what I am saying is when Jonathan Villar is eventually traded, I think he can basically fulfill that role that Jonathan Villar is doing at this time for a really bad team for the next few years. All right. I, I'm perfectly happy with that answer. I do think it's interesting, though, that we parted with the Rule 5 guys so quickly. First, we parted with uh, Pedro Rujo, 
Okay. They then uh, traded back for him. Uh, so he, they kept him in the organization, but they took that risk. And next, you know, they, they've now uh, parted ways with Drew Jackson. Uh, it is a, certainly a difference between the old regime. All right, let, let's move on. We've seen the use of the opener. Yep. I feel like we would not have seen that from Buck Showalter and Dan Duquette. Um, I feel like we've seen like a pseudo opener where we've thrown out someone there for bullpen four or five game. innings, like a bullpen game. But I certainly don't think we've seen a, a situation where uh, they've thrown someone out for two to three innings. By the way, use of the word situation. <laughs> First one for the episode. Congratulations. Um, I didn't say the other thing other than injured list. Right. But uh, I'm glad that they weren't so predetermined to say we are not going to accept it. We're not going to go to that cliche. Instead, they said, you know, we're in a bind. We're going to go ahead and utilize the talent in the best manner possible. And, you know, using the roster flexibility, as it were, to their advantage is something they're going to have to continue to use. I don't see any reason why the team is going to go away from the opener anytime soon. In fact, I think they're going to come to embrace it even more um, with the relative failures of Dylan Bundy. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Hess. Yeah. Being pulled in the midst of his no-hitter. Yeah. Uh, do you think that that shows a difference between how things would have been run under Duquette and Showalter? I, I do think it shows a little bit of difference compared to Showalter. I think Showalter would have waited until he gave up a hit or a home run or he got into a bind, and then he would have pulled them out after an inning. Now, Hess got pulled, you know, with one out um, and, again, hit his pitch count, where Showalter had said, I'm going to let him get out his inning through. I'm going to let him walk off the field. And then I'm going to shake his hand and say, hey, thanks so much. But I had no issue with how Hyde handled it, where, you know, he gathered everyone up, shook his hand, said, well done, head back, and kind of made it a moment for both Hess and the team of people saying, gosh, I can't believe the Orioles were no hitting somebody. So ultimately for that brief moment, it got people talking about the Orioles for a little bit. Now, that quickly dissipated. Uh, but for a brief moment, people were talking about the Orioles when typically in April, right after opening day, people are not talking about the Orioles. Sure. Again, I'm not beating up Hyde for making the move. I'm just saying I agree with you. I think it had a different flavor than yeah. what we would uh, what we would see before. Last thing from me, and I'm going to use this as an example <laughs> for a larger point. Um, you're seeing the, the term spin rate used publicly by the club as a an evaluation metric mm -hmm. for the pitching. And I'm just going to use that as a representative for everything else that's that's going on, right? Um I feel like Buck Showalter and Dan Duquette gave lip service to also caring about analytics, whether or not that actually was the case. But when you start to hear players talk about the coaching and the information that they've been given about spin rate and their performance that is a clear difference on the field difference mm -hmm. from the past regime sure and i mean we've talked about that before of that data has been readily available out there um for the majority of baseball teams you know even some of those baseball teams that put out that information in terms of social media um but certainly combining plays on the field along with a sabermetric approach has been something that we have tried before on this podcast and it's good to see the players starting to embrace that. I, I certainly don't think that it's going to be an immediate snap of the fingers and someone's going to say, all right, 
I saw the numbers. I'm all of a sudden going to transition. Ultimately, this is going to be a kind of a long-term scenario to see, you know, say use the word scenario and say situation. That was good. Um, whether or not, you know, the, the players are going to be able to adapt to changing the arsenal. You know, I really thought Dylan Bundy was going to have more of an impact in terms of getting all this data in front of him and maybe approaching um, batters and um, mixing up his pitches a little bit differently. I've yet to see that. Mike Wright was another individual that people were kind of clamoring for during spring training saying, always oh, going to go to this cutter. And, you know, Mike Wright is going to be something coming out. And we warned everyone saying, no, 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 it's not going to happen. Stop. I refuse to believe that there was a clamoring from Mike Wright. Uh, there was a clamoring from numerous individuals in the Orioles blogosphere. Dylan Atkinson, I'm looking at you. Shiroka boys, I'm looking at you. A clamoring? A clamoring. Whew. Listen, Mike Wright was going to be garbage no matter what. And folks bought into the magical cutter because the Orioles don't let people throw cutters. And they said, well, now that they can throw cutters, they're going to be invincible. No, folks, that's that's not the way it works. I'm sorry. Not going to happen. Going to Hufflepuff. I mean, here's the thing with spin rate. Like, yeah, spin rate's important, but it's not as big of a deal as, like, I think, like, from a hitter standpoint of, you know, exit velocity and launch angle, which makes a lot more sense from a physics standpoint. You know, spin rate's interesting in terms of inducing weak contact, but, man, it comes back to the point of, like, you watch some of these, you know, pitchers, and, you know, vertical movement and horizontal movement, I think, is a much bigger deal right now than spin rate is. Deception is another one that we rarely talk about. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how pitching mechanics in terms of arm slots, deception, consistency in terms of throwing your breaking pitch with your fastball in terms of your release point and how consistent that is is going to be, I think, a much more important aspect than whether someone changes their spin rate by 200 or 300. All right. I, I th- that's my honest opinion. Sure. So let me ask you this. Uh, I mentioned spin rate specifically because I, you know, because we've seen it. Yeah. Do you think so far we have seen a big difference in the way analytics is being presented to the players as a tool compared to the Duquette regime? Yes. I, I do think that the information being displayed to the players and presented to the players and explained why it's important is being done in the clubhouse and within um, the Orioles organization completely different at this time. I don't know if the results have really transferred at this time, and nor do I think the results are going to transfer anytime soon. I, th- I think this is going to be um, a matter where we may see certain players um, kind of exceed. Um, and, you know, I can't tell right now which ones are going to do it. I do find it interesting that certain players that maybe had some pretty poor plate discipline and I'm not talking Chris Davis, but other players that had pretty poor plate discipline last year for the 2018 Orioles show a little bit of a bright spot. I feel like our offense is a little bit better at the plate in terms of being a little more selective in terms of their approach. Um, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Um, but again, it's, it's small sample size at this time. Is there anything else that leaps out to you that says things are different? It's, you know, the old guard versus the new guard. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is, you know, base running. Base running has been immensely different to me. Um, You know, you've got a lot more speed. You've got a lot more aggressiveness on the base pass. You've got people stealing bases. I mean, I I think the biggest positive I've seen is, um, you know, base stealing in general. But the other one is just the opposite. I think the Orioles have done a really nice job of maintaining folks not getting too much of an advantage on the base pass. 
I mean, I think last time I checked, they maybe give up two stolen bases, or is it none? None. Okay, so they had two stolen base attempts on them, but none left up. And, you know, part of that comes back to the catchers. But then a part of that also comes back down to delivery to the plate of being important. And I know Showalter talked about this, you know, all the time. But I feel like something maybe has changed in terms of this, um, where the the you know the Orioles maybe working with the pitching coach and then just being familiar with you know the slow motion cameras and saying, hey, instead of tweaking your shoulder up like this, why don't you just kind of come through it, and you know that little come through motion will save you a tenth of a second, and that is a little bit more you know understanding for your pitch dynamic, and also it helps us to maintain. Um, runners on base a little bit more i think these are small things like it's not going to be the difference of you know giving up seven home runs one night and then no home runs the next night i think it's just these small incremental things that just like good solid defense they can pay dividends over a long season yeah i agree i think frankly this season is going to be death by a thousand cuts right i'm trying to focus on the thousand things you know little things that go right or that are pointing in the right direction. I think they'll be harder to see, but I think by the time the Orioles are ready to contend again, they will be things that we recognize. Sure. And I mean, things to look forward to, I guess, is one thing that we need to come out of this. And, you know, Trey Mancini has been absolutely amazing. Jonathan Lahr, absolutely amazing. Um, even the catchers, you know, have called good games. Now, our pitchers haven't necessarily hit their spots, but there's a lot of encouraging things specifically from the position players that uh, get me excited. I, I feel like the pitching, both in the starting and the relief pitching, is a hot mess still. But there are good plays and good positional player battles going on right now. Um, that doesn't really make me interested, just like we talked in the injury report, to see Mark Trumbo or Austin Wins come back at this time. Absolutely. Well, Scotty, I, I feel like we were positive right there. We said good things about the Orioles. Let's take a quick break, take a deep breath, and we'll see what else there is to say. All right, so we're in the bad section of uh, this Orioles episode since we discovered the good. So I cannot wait till we get to the ugly section. Uh, so, so Jake, uh, you know, obviously there are going to be bad moments. We've talked about this before of when you're going to have a team that potentially is going to lose 100 games, you're going to have to accept the good with the lots of bad. But, you know, when you have this much bad, you've got to do something with it. And you might as well have a little fun with it, as it were. So, Jake, um, I think it's appropriate that we maybe go ahead and dust this off, scratch out our, our old cards, and let's maybe create a brand new Orioles fan embarrassment bingo. Yes, that's right, folks. It is that time for you to go ahead and be able to fill out your 2019 version of Orioles embarrassment bingo card. And if you complete it, hey, you win the prize for the night. A big old shot of Tanqueray. <laughs> so here we go. Uh Birds I've used listeners, we are going to go through some of the items that we are going to put on the standard 24-slot bingo card. Yeah. But we desperately need your help. We're going to need your help for additional recommendations. Um, so please tweet those at us, uh, at Birds Eye View BAL. Let us know what we've missed, because clearly, Scotty and I have a list here. Uh, 
But it is not comprehensive. No, I mean, bingo is a huge thing in the Baltimore area. I mean, you've got bingo halls all across Baltimore County. Dundalk still loves bingo to this day. Dude, I grew up Catholic. I know exactly how big bingo is. And, you know, the Orioles really could embrace these ideas going forward. And, you know, if you wanted to go out and maybe have a bingo night at the yard where every single time, you know, a batter comes up, maybe you throw a bingo number up on the board. And then if you were to collect your cards, you go up to your usher and you get like an Orioles prize pack. That seems like an epic night where you could pull in, I'm guessing like twenty or 30,000 people if you were to give away bobbleheads to everyone who won the card. <laughs> Let's not get crazy. Twenty or 30,000 people at Camden Yards? Ha! Ha! Oh. Okay. Uh, let's talk about uh, spaces on the 2019 Orioles fan embarrassment. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. We, we can get into this, but I've got an important question here. Sure. So I get a free space, right? Absolutely. Okay. So what's my free space? Well, I mean, we have some choices. Okay, because before when we had the Buck Showalter one, it was Buck Showalter hanging his head in shame, correct? Sure. Yep. Okay. Yep, yep. Um, in reality, we probably should have updated afterwards and basically shown the picture of Zach Burton in the bullpen in Toronto as our free space. Yes. He's available, so we just put him in the free space. Yikes. <laughs> no, I mean, we've got to... Uh, we've got to find a picture of the man tell you what i'll find a picture of the manager okay and i'll post it with the uh with the post on our site greatly appreciate it thank okay. you you got it all right so let's talk about uh, orioles bingo cards here's my first space uh that i'm going to recommend and that is a recent event okay position player pitching oh great for, I, for the orioles yeah so we've got to get this in before next season when it's basically scraped no, I th- I think that even next year we'll have plenty of instances in which we're down by six runs and we'll be oh, able to. Fair point. Uh, yes. Okay, that's it. a good point. Um, how about this? How about an Orioles player setting an MLB record for futility, just like Chris Davis is currently doing? Seems topical, Scott. Seems topical. But you know there are probably records out there we're not even thinking about that the Orioles are going to threaten this year. Right. I mean, yeah. it like maybe it'll be like, hey, they gave up ten home runs in the game, or. You know, maybe it's a situation where the Orioles had never given up, you know, eight Utah Street bombs in one game, and lo and behold, they do. Look, if you think that 30 runs is safe this season, mm-mm. 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 No. All right. Uh, this is an old favorite. You talked about the you talked about the quality of the base running this year. And so I'm just gonna say that Toot Plan is always gonna be on my card. Yeah. Thrown out on the base on the base paths like an income poop. Every time it happens, it crushes my soul. So it gets a spot. Uh, how about the Orioles taking the lead and the starter giving it right back? Yeah. Oh, God, that makes me insane. I feel like this is also from the 2012-2016 Orioles, too. But I feel like we're going to see – I'm not sure if we're going to see this this much, actually. But when it does happen, it's going to be infuriating. Oh, because we won't take that many leads? Yeah. 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 Uh, Scott, I'm having a hard time making this out. Um I can't read this. Can you help me with this? Yeah. So uh, individuals that uh, may be experiencing may be experiencing erectile dongage, and erectile dongage is uh, when Jim Hunter would call the call and say, "That ball's way back there. It's going, going, caught on the warning track." It's just when you feel like the ball is going to land twenty rows deep in left field, and then Jim Hunter pushes it back into your pants and basically says, "Not today, kid. Not today." I wish there were a pill for that. By the way, that card, that space in the card is brought to you by Catholic Charities of, of Baltimore. 
<laughs> pushing it back into your pants for All the right. last hundred years. <laughs> next, next, you're going to get angry letters. <laughs> next on the uh, on the bingo card, uh, Orioles getting no hit through five plus innings. That's like an easy square most I nights. Yeah. It's a free space. Uh, and if you're going to get that one, you might as well go get this next one, which is 12 plus Ks in a game. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what about this is an easy one too. Like, you know, we've always got the announcers and we talked about Jim Hunter, but Gary Thorne mumbling at some point in the game has to be an easy fan space for people to fill in. And you know, it's going to happen and you know, it's going to be incoherent and it's going to be glorious. Here's one that I didn't put on my list, but I, I should. And that's the Jim Palmer sigh. Oh, the Jim Palmer sigh. You know, like when a massive home run gets hit and he's talking <sighs> and oh. yes. Either that or it's, he'll be talking and he's like, ah, as he, uh, as he uh, speaks. Can I make an addendum really quickly to oh, my please. mumbling? Uh, can we put Jim Thorne, uh, Gary Thorne uh, mumbling slash singing? <laughs> yeah, but that's not an embarrassing thing. That's a glorious thing. It depends on what he's singing. That's true. Yeah. That's true. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with my next space on the board being the 50-plus pitch inning from an Oriole pitch. Ah, so we should call this square the Tillman. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so it's going to be the Tillman, uh, parentheses, 50-pitch inning. Yes. Okay. Uh, how about a lineup out in uh, fewer than nine pitches? Ugh, that's another one that drives me nuts. Yep, just come up to the plate and be like, all right, let's go ahead and extend this inning, and you're out in seven pitches. Not even enough time to get out of your row. Uh, how about more than five pitchers used in the game, such as we pull an opener and then we've got to go through four more relief pitchers in order to get through the entire game? See, I, I think it's I think it's bad if they don't mean to have a short uh, outing. Yeah. All right. How about this? A crowd with fewer than 5,000 people present. Okay. Present or attendance? Like, I'm... See... Okay, let's let's talk about it. I'm going to say present. Okay, and here's why. So this is a free space. Yeah, I don't think an announced crowd will be fewer than five thousand fans this season because I am pretty sure that to save face, the Orioles will purchase five thousand seats to every game. Okay, I I'll, I'll buy that. If we see, uh, let's just say, if you see an empty section, a completely empty section in the stadium. You can fill this one in. I'm telling you, we're going to have plenty of games where we watch or we'll be there yeah. and we'll look around and say, there is nobody here. Yeah. I mean, like I said, if you come across an entire section of the stadium that was completely empty, more than likely you can fill in this square. We're going to allow it. How about the Orioles set an MLB record? Uh, an opponent sets an MLB record at the Orioles expense. So I like that one. Maybe they say, hey, we're going to come in there and we're going to have, you know, 31 runs this evening as opposed to 30. Yeah, something yeah. like that. All right, how about this one? Um, a pitcher in his Major League Baseball debut shuts out the Orioles. I like this, and I've got a better one for you. What if instead it's it's uh, pitcher shuts out the Orioles, but what if he no hits or perfect games the Orioles? Is this an instant win? Yes. Okay. Just clear your board. Clear your board. You just win. You don't even need the postage stamp. You just win. You just win. Okay. Uh, Jake, how about someone achieving the illustrious Sam Horn or the Platinum Sabrero? The Horn of Plenty? The Horn of Plenty. I like that one. Um, a hit that – sorry, hit is the wrong word. I've been an Orioles fan way too long. A doink that falls into the Bermuda Triangle. We're going to call this a 2014 Royal Oof. or a Bermuda Triangle. Uh, this, this, to the tune of Summer Song by Chad and Jeremy. Yep, Exactly. 
Um, next one. This is more of a recent phenomenon, and it'll be interesting to see if it continues. Um, but an Orioles catcher reacting disgustingly. Um, this would normally occur after a poorly pitched ball across the middle of the plate where a home one is gone, where you see Pedro Severino go in the background. It's like, get him, get him, get him, I like that. No problem. The both of them are are phenomenal. <laughs> oh, they're they're both very very grumpy when they don't hit um their spots. It's glorious to watch. All right, um, I'm going to uh, I'm going to say this next one is it's a long play. Okay, okay, you have to have your bingo card out before and after the game. Oh, so this is like you're you're going for you're you're trying to get it completed. Absolutely, this is this is extra credit, so to speak. Right, anytime. Rick Dempsey mentions fundamentals. Can I tell you what I think about when Rick Dempsey mentions fundamentals? Tell me. Right. Sorry. There you go. Uh, how about when the crusher is mentioned? Oh, I like it. A mass and or radio broadcast. Now that Mike Bordick is sometimes doing radio broadcast. Heaven help us all. Yes. Yeah. Uh, how about this one? <laughs> We we talked about the twelve to seventeen Orioles, you know the the buckle up birds, so yeah. to speak. Uh, they're not dead. No, they're they're going to be around the game for a while. Yeah. So f- put a space on your board, on your bingo board, for any time a former Oriole from the 2012 to 2017 Orioles comes back and dominates. So the Steve Orioles. Pierce can still help me out here. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Steve, Team but, Steve. But now it's Manny. Now it's it's uh not nah, it's Team Steve or Zach Britton with a with, with, Zach Britton with a K. Yeah. <laughs> whoever this whoever this Zach guy Zach. is, it could be uh, Adam Jones. You know? Could be, yeah, but it's probably gonna be more like Zach Britton. Uh, how about an upbeat rock Masson montage? But Scott, that's any baseball game. Yeah, right, there you go. Another free space. Yeah. Uh, okay, here, we talked about five pitchers. Uh, here's an interesting one unintentional opener so this is a starting pitcher that goes one or two innings that was not expected so it'd be like andrew Kashner coming in or dylan bundy yeah so we're calling an opener what two innings at most yes okay so if you if you go more than two innings no not an opener so two or less innings unintentional opener Mm mm-hmm Right, Dylan Bundy's your man, people. If you want that space, ask for him to pitch. All right, my last spot on the board is this. Anytime a great play, a fun home run happens, and the Orioles post that highlight on their social media platform and truncate the scoreboard because they're ashamed of the score. So they would say, like, Jonathan Lar hits a two-run homer while the Orioles lose. Yeah. But have you noticed? I mean, I'm, I've complained about it in the past. They really, you complained. I know, I know. Do you want to talk about attendance? <laughs> they block off the scoreboard, uh, the, the score box on the replays, on their Twitter and their Instagram, so you can't see how bad the O's really. Is. Oh yes, oh yes. It is not a good look. Like they'll get rid of it, or they like they'll crop it. They'll crop it. Really? Yeah. Even on like a video and a GIF. Yeah. Wow, that takes a lot of effort. Yeah. That's really impressive. It's really embarrassing. Are you sure they're cropping it, or do they just have a feed that doesn't have the score? Are you sure? Wow. Wow. Well played. Well played, Mastin. Well no, played. No. Well played. Uh, how would we end with this? Because we're at our 24 space. Um, 
how about we're how about being told to trust the process? I like that. You're going to hear it a lot. You're going to hear, you know, when the Orioles are really bad this season that hey, you know, this is this is what's to be expected. You just have to trust the process. Trust the process is going to be one of those things that when you go to sleep at night after the Orioles blow a lead or lose a game in the ninth inning, you're going to be grinding your teeth to trust the process. All right, what did we miss? We've got a full bingo card, but listeners, we are clearly not that clever. Please tweet us immediately. I want to print these cards yesterday. Let us know. All my troubles seem so present present today. Close, yeah. Uh, let us know what we missed at Bird's Eye View BAL. All right, with that, let's go in and get into some fantasy balls and find out who won this week. All right, Jake. First, we got it for fantasy boss. We had exit velocity as being our metric. Uh, you chose Renato Nunez, who led the team with a ninety-nine point four mile per hour average exit velocity. Uh, my player, which was going to be Trey Mancini, um, ended it with eighty-nine point four miles per hour, which again, pretty average. Um, but Trey Mancini had a bomb week this week in terms of it. So if we would have looked at it on the weight aspect of weighted uh, or expected uh, batting average, Trey Mancini would have dominated. But fortunately, we just chose how hard did you hit it off the bat? And Renato Nunez, everybody's childhood hero, won this week. So, Jake, you win with Renato Nunez. Let's go ahead and pick another statistic this week and go from there. So, you know, in that same kind of ambiance slash, you know, thought process, we're going to go with uh, expected WOBA. So WOBA, of course, is the measure of, you know, how good of, you know, a, a batting did you get up there on a pure power basis. And we're going to go with this expected number where it's in putting in exit velocity, distance, launch angle, et cetera, et cetera, to try to best predict who should be doing really good based off of what's coming off their bat and taking away kind of the defensive preference of who they're playing against this week. So, uh, Jake, for this past week, I believe it was uh, Trey Mancini, a.k.a. Boom Boom, uh, leading the team uh, with a expected weighted uh, uh, expected weight of, of oh, let's see, 490 this week compared to, oh, Hanser Albarto actually did pretty well this week, too, at 503. So, uh, Jake, uh, who are you going to go with for expected WOBA for the past seven days? This is ex-WOBA. Ex-WOBA. All right, I'm going to go with Jonathan VR, okay. who's having a pretty good stretch of it right now, and I'm hoping it will continue into the uh, the remainder of the week. All right, so Jonathan VR had a 302 expected WOBA this past week. Um, I, I'm really tempted to take Trey Mancini again, but I feel like I need to mix it up a little bit. Take Chris Davis. I'm tempted, actually. Uh, but you know who I think I'm actually going to go with? I think I'm actually going to go with Joey Rickard as my expected Woba this week. I don't know why. I just have a feeling that 
you know, in classic Jake English style, picking some name that absolutely makes no sense is eventually going to net me a win. You know, I do feel bad because <laughs> me winning at Fantasy Boss, have I won every season we've done Fantasy Boss? I believe I won one season, but then I put it all on the line oh, on the last yeah. week in order to go double on nothing. I feel like me winning at Fantasy Boss is kind of like that year that my uh, 10-year-old nephew won our our March Madness bracket pool by picking his favorite mascots. I, I feel like that kind of did fraud. Did you just call Renato Nunez mascot? I did. Well, he kind of I is. Did. I feel like that kind of fraud. Uh, but I'm willing to take the win. So let's uh, let's see. It's, it's VR. It's Joey Rickard. Who will own it? Who will own it? All right. And I think... Uh, I think it's time to see who was good, who was bad, and, well, who was ugly. That is right. It is time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm going to go ahead and get started this week. And my good, nice segue, Scotty, is Joey Rickard. No, really. It's Joey Rickard. And here's the thing about Joey Rickard. Joey Rickard has often been in my bad and ugly category. And I've picked him for good this week, not just because what he's done on the field, but the fact that he's getting an opportunity and he's making the most of it. If it were up to me, Joey Rickard wouldn't have made the club coming north from Sarasota, but he did. And what's he doing? Well, at least this week, he's good. Let's talk about Joey Rickard. He had a weighted runs creative plus of 193. His WOBA was 435. He's having himself quite a week. Now, again, that goes with a K percentage of 23.1%, which is something you got to look out for. But his walk percentage is actually 15.4%. So the difference is not as bad as you might expect. He's uh, he's making good use of his time this week. And in a short sample size, as all of our fantasy boss will be, that's good enough to become my good. Jake, I'm going to go with your chalk, which um, I'm going to go Jonathan Villar as my, my good for the week. Two home runs this week, 23.1% uh, K rate, but again... 385 average, 385 on base, 769 slugging, 482 Woba, and a 228 weighted runs created plus. Oh, yes, Jonathan Villar is popping his big boy stick right now and increasing that trade value every so often. Popping that big boy stick, by the way, brought to you by Catholic Charities of Baltimore. Oof. All right, my bad <laughs> is you. No, my bad is going to go to Dan Straley, who wasted no time. And look, this is not about the two earned runs that he gave up in his first one one third inning pitched as an Oriole. This is the optics. All right, the Orioles made a move. They got another starter. And what did they do? They brought him in in relief and he gave up runs. Come on, dude. Come on. We're looking for winners here. We're looking for something to stop the bleeding. And what happened? Ugh, that's not what I was looking for. It's bad. Very bad. I mean, this guy got cut by the Marlins. Let's not pretend that he's Cy Young or anything, but still. Uh, my bat's going to go to Dylan Bundy. Absolutely horrible. Again, three and two-thirds innings. Again, no ability to put out batters. Only a 4.91 case per nine. Even if he did give up the home run, you know, if he could get the strikeout, I'd be okay with it. But again, it's not dominating stuff whatsoever. Not confusing anybody. Um, I 
you know, I, I don't see what Dylan Bundy has out there right now. I know they're going to have to keep on using him as a starter because they don't have anyone else to go to. But the conversation has to be had sooner rather than later of what does Dylan Bundy offer this team going forward? Is it through a trade to another team and hopefully someone can resurrect him? Or is it, again, moving into that opener slash longman slash bullpen role and basically elevating his trade value going forward? Dylan Bundy, hate to say it, but he's bad. And he might be done. Yeah, my concern about him is the fact that he's getting ahead and then no can't do anything with it. No out pitch. Nothing. That's a problem. Yeah. All right. My ugly was clearly picked before uh, Monday's game, but my ugly is Richie Martin. And it was a narrow, narrow thing. I'm going to let you go first before I tell you who my honorable mention was. Um, but Richie Martin, in contrast to Joey Rickard, not doing anything with his opportunities. He's being given the opportunity to be the starting shortstop on a Major League Baseball club as a Rule 5 draft pick. He was kept over a player who's probably going to have a longer Major League uh, career in the fact that he can hang on as a, as a utility guy. Um, and in the past week, again, short sample size, Richie Martin just not doing anything. A negative 14 weighted runs created uh, plus, and he's had uh, nothing to speak of. A 77 average as well as a 77 slugging percentage, which is good for a 153 Woba. He's This past week, he had a 46.7K percentage. He's doing nothing at the plate. Luckily, his glove is enough to keep him at the majors right now, but he's got to pick it up. Jake, there's only one true ugly on this team right now. It's got to be Chris Davis. Chris Davis with his negative 75 weighted ones created plus. Negative 75 for the entire season. Jake, he's had 13 strikeouts in 30 plate appearances. 43.3% K rate for the entire season. You say that, you know, we should feel bad for Chris Davis. You say that, you know, it's a pitiful aspect. I don't come here to watch baseball and feel pity on things. If I want to do that, I'm going to look at myself in the mirror, okay? (laughs) I come to watch baseball to enjoy, you know, things that I don't come to expect. You know, the thrill of the surprise, the thrill of, you know, the game, you know, the, the sportsmanship, the camaraderie. I don't come up there to watch some pitiful man come up to the plate and play with his stick. If I could do that, you know, I'd go to Catholic Charities of Baltimore. But, <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. Brutal tonight. Listen, Chris Davis is ugly, and the fact of the matter is we are slowly in the process of, in essence, burying Chris Davis. This is like a, a long-term funeral where we're paying our final respects to him as we prepare to basically release him into the wild blue yonder, pull out the arrow, let it on fire, let it go, and let it hit his carcass as it's floating out to sea. And you see it erupt into flames. And you say, man, I didn't think $162 million would catch on fire that quickly. Okay. Great visuals. Yes. Point of order. Yes. Didn't we retire Chris Davis from Ugly? So I thought about this. And I reviewed all of our notes. And we considered it. We considered giving him the Abaldo Jimenez yeah. honorary award. But to this date, um, the documentation hadn't been certified by the the body of Major League Baseball. So if we want to make that rule going forward, I have no issue with it. In fact, now that Chris Davis, as of Monday night, has the MLB record, as it were, 
I do think that we need to shake on this, write our names to it, and say, no longer can Chris Davis be called the ugly. We are officially, again, shooting him into the sun, just like we did Kevin Gregg, just like we did Wade Miley, and just assuming that Chris Davis is no more, and he shall never be spoken of in this segment whatsoever. This is now the second Oriole we will have you know, Lifetime Ugly Awarded. The first, of course, I'm was, pretty sure Wade Miley got the Lifetime Ugly Award too at one point. I, th- I think it's just Abaldo Jimenez. So Abaldo Jimenez is the only one we actually yeah. said it's un- you're un- unallowed to do this whatsoever. But Kevin Gray just became their running joke and so did Wade Miley. Yes, yes. Did Wade Miley become the launch him into the sun? Yes, okay. Wade Miley was launch him into the sun, but he was still there, just screaming in agony. Kevin Kevin Gregg was light himself on light fire. himself on the fire. Protester, protester of yeah. course. Yes. Okay. So Chris Davis retired from being ugly. Okay, he is. Ever ugly. All right. So he's forever ugly. He can no longer be touched by this podcast. Don't say it. <laughs> Don't say it. Are you ready to blow the save? I am ready to blow the save. Sponsored by Catholic Charities of Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go ahead and blow the save. mother listens to this podcast or she doesn't <laughs> she knows better um so jake you mentioned to me coming in this tonight that uh on the radio this evening uh they had um dave johnson along with uh steve johnson in the booth tonight talking things over yeah um which which made me actually think a little bit about um one of the announcements that came out uh today uh from the tigers the tigers are going to be doing 17 players only broadcast going forward for this season where um, the players will not even be in the booth. The players will be calling in and the players will be kind of just talking as it were, almost like as a podcast um, and just talking as they go and they will put in interspersed play by play as they feel necessary. That's super cool. I didn't hear about this. Uh, I I hear what you're saying, but I disagree entirely that it's super cool. If I'm turning into a baseball game and I want to listen to it, uh, the last thing I want to do is feel like I'm sitting uh, with a bunch of individuals like Rick Dempsey um, who basically have no common sense in terms of the game and saying, oh, that could have hit that or it's not something that interests me. I want to hear the play-by-play and you know, the subtle nuances like Palmer will throw in, but I still want to basically hear the sights and the sounds of the game. If I want to hear someone in essence bantering back and forth, I can go down to local park and find some 70 year old to play checkers against and instead just talk to him. Ultimately baseball is about the storytelling as it were about what is going on, the sights and sounds and interweaving it into the given, you know, drama that is unfolding on the field. And instead, I feel like we're going to get more of locker room talk slash historical stories of how the game was different 30 years ago and how, you know, we were always doing this sabermetric approach and what these guys are really doing is not that much different than what we were doing. Okay, so hang on. Are these former players or current players? Former players. Okay, well, totally different. Hang on. I, I, I retract my excitement. So I thought that you you had meant that they were going to have the current crop of players. No. Okay. Slightly different. 
Because where I was going to point counterpoint you was saying that as we, you know, experience a game that's changing, uh, a fan base that's changing, the way that the the league uh, markets its players has to change. Um, and I'll tell you, a, a recent World Series where they had brought Chris Archer into the booth and had him talk, uh, you know, and provide color commentary during a World Series game really caught my attention to how insightful that guy was. Mm-hmm. And it actually got me interested in watching him pitch. Now, at this point, I'm, I'm watching him throw into people's backs, which is less than exciting. But that's the kind of thing where the sport can market their players in a way that you don't see. Um, so I would be cool with them, you know, having them do that right from the dugout. Right. And I think miking up players is a different aspect of, I think that would be really cool. But like, for example, for the Tigers broadcast, we've got Jack Morris. uh, We've got Kirk Gibson. We've got Craig Monroe, former Tigers outfielder, and Dan Petrie, along with special guests who they decide to call into this players only show. Um, And then basically have a video call center, as it were, to allow folks to pull in players from that country to add conversation. So again, in essence, we have a bunch of former players hosting a podcast while a game is going on in the background. Okay. I, I retract my excitement. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, again, you folks now sitting through this for 50 minutes, again, are rethinking your life decisions. So should the Tigers be rethinking their life decisions at this point. We're not even former players. We're not even former players. We're just people that live in my basement. And that, that is our show. Remember, you can find this and our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and Spotify. Please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback and encourages other people to listen for the first time, including Catholic Charities Baltimore. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> get social with us. You can send hate mail to scott at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Hello. You can contact the show at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us on social media on Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat, but the very best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeview, B-A-L. Direct message us with any hates, complaints, or death threats. Jeez. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a find adieu-adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's. Gosh, I hope they don't crucify us. No? They need more ads. They do need more ads. They need more ads. I'll say a few Hail Marys tonight, okay? <laughs> a few Hello Dollies. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Jesus. Hey, check out the winos, by the way. The Wind Up Podcast? Yes. Nice. Yeah. Great stuff. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Oh.